So let me just say, man, how about Brother uh, Neil last week bringing the word, dude? I got saved. It was it was so good. So thank you for that. That's great. It is on uh, found where all Apple good podcasts are sold. So uh, so look that up. Um, so yes, uh, we are continuing on the narrative lectionary train today. We're still in Mark. And um, and now we're in the first Sunday of Lent, which is kind of cool, because uh, that's happening. Uh, we're 40 days, uh, well, less than 40 days out to Resurrection Sunday now. And uh, yeah, I, this is a this is a really great season um, to be around. And so uh, yeah, today we're talking about um, children. Man, I have this. I'm sorry, I have this uncontrollable urge to take my shoes off now. There's nothing you can do about it, you know. Uh, we're talking about children, and uh, yeah, what what is the deal with children? I mean, really, uh, right? You ever just you ever just wonder, like, man, what, what is the deal? You know, children are on the change. You think children, you think you know, and then you have kids, and you're like, oh, I didn't know, and then like, this is this is for realsies, you know. And we were all once children. It was kind of fun last Sunday. I got to preach upstairs for the Woodbine congregation, you know, and they're they're mostly all like in their uh, hundreds. Uh, <laughs> not <just kidding. laughs> Yeah, no, they're great people. Uh, but um, you know, it's kind of like we had this moment where, like, uh, in my sermon, I was like, you know, we were all once children, you know, and like we all at one point like had chubby ankles and like had to like learn how to crawl and stuff and eat taters and you know and it's, it's not a tip on me but um anyway so uh yes yeah, so and i always love the, the comments about people when they first visit kaleo right and they weren't like ready for like children crawling through their legs while we're trying to pray for someone or like having to like wrestle to get to the eucharist you know like a bunch of kids and you know it's always kind of fun to uh, to kind of experience that if you haven't before and so uh yeah uh, at this last family meeting, uh, if you're at our last family meeting, um, at some point the conversation always turns to, uh, you know, what, what are we what are we gonna do with all these kids? Uh, you know, and it's, there's always just some form of like, um, what now? And uh, and and so and I, so I love that we're continuing to have these conversations about, especially in this new space, what does it mean to be faithful uh, with our children to our children? Um, in, the, in the season of transition. Uh, and so these are all great conversations uh, this morning. And so uh, I want to look at this theme of children a little bit through this text. I'm not going to reread all this, uh, but I want to look in Mark chapter 9, chapter 10, if you have a Bible, and, um, and kind of look, look at a bit of, the, bit of this um, theme of children through this <laughs> marking text. And so uh, it, it comes, uh, it starts at, um, where we're going to start is chapter uh, 9, verse 14. And this text that, uh, that Nolan just read, and so uh, if you remember last week, Jesus uh, just uh, has his three uh, inner circle dudes uh, with him up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they, they have this really awesome moment, and Jesus kind of lights up, goes super saiyan for a minute, and it's really cool. And, um, but then they're coming down the mountain in this text, and the disciples who were left behind uh, are, are coming down there, and then there's this little child. There's this little boy who has this demon that the disciples apparently can't get rid of. He can't cast out. And Jesus is like, 
guys, you know, how long am I going to be here? And, um, and, but you don't really know who he's talking to. You're like, this is weird. And, um, and then Jesus heals this woman. Um, it says, uh, it says, uh, let's, let's jump in at verse 24. It says, immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And it says the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he was able to stand. And when he entered the house, his disciples said to him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, This kind can only come out through prayer. Uh, so this section uh, that we're looking at today starts out uh, with Jesus healing this young this young boy that his disciples uh, were unable to heal. And so um, we're going to do a diagram. Uh, so Jesus over here, and let's say disciples. We're going to put down here. And then we're going to put child, we're going to just put child over here. So, uh, got it? Clear? Good. Diagrams always help us learn. This is very clear. So, um, yes, so you get it. Um, his disciples are here. They cannot, uh, for whatever reason, heal this child. And Jesus is like, what's the deal? I got this. You know, better look next time. Um, uh, and so there's this, there's this dynamic that's, that begins to kind of come to life in the text. So, skipping a few verses ahead. Verse 33. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What are you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. This is a really funny moment here. You know, there's always ambiguity about whether Jesus knows things he's not supposed to know or not, you know. And, uh, you know, seemingly he already knows a little bit of the ridiculousness of their banter. Maybe he's calling them out on it. Uh, because it says, and it says they were silent, as if they already know, like they already know, like the foolishness of their conversation. They're like, we're talking about nothing, you know. And um, and so there's this already, you know, since we're on the way, they had argued with one another who was the greatest. I love this word in the Greek because it's just very clear. It's this word, this megos, right? Look at somebody and say megos. Like it literally, like you look up this word, that's what it means. It means megos, uh, right? Great. Yeah, no. Large. Um, and so, um, so remember, they uh, some of the disciples had just come down off this Mount of Transfiguration, and they had experienced uh, one of the very few times in the text where someone experiences the megos of Jesus. Right? It's very uncommon. Uh, but these other nine disciples, they had the opposite experience just now, where they were down down the valley and they couldn't heal this boy, and they were not, uh, you know, they did not have a megos moment. And now they're strolling along the road like, who do you think is the greatest disciple? Yeah, no, and you can just sort of imagine this banter a little bit, the, you know, the sort of like, uh, you know, is it Peter? Is it Peter? It's Peter. Yeah, no, uh, you know, who is the greatest? Um, and so these disciples, you know, they're young, 
egos were flittering around. And verse 35, it says, uh, he sat down. Uh, and so it's important here when you notice these position changes in the text. Uh, and Jesus sits down, he asks his quest, these questions, and he's calling his disciples to himself. And so this is essentially like first century, um, I'm going to teach you, like you're going to learn something now mode. And the, like, you know, a lot of times rabbis would sit down and then you would like stand up, right? Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what we do now. Uh, and um, since he, he called the 12 and he said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And it says, He took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Uh, he's like, whoever welcomes this child actually welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me actually welcomes the one who sent me. Right? God. Uh, right? You know, he's, he's connecting these dots. <laughs> you and I this morning uh, cannot really comprehend or, or well, understand truly the, the shock of what Jesus is saying here in this text. Uh, it, it's just very, very... Um, so there's, there's multiple things at play here. Um, one, of those, uh, one of those being that... that um, so they would have been in like a... It says they were in a house. They're probably in the same house that they were in earlier in the text. And so here in the Jewish household, there's just... Not necessarily everyone's related. There's just families running around. Some are... Uh, servant, right? This could have been a servant child. We don't really know. Um, but uh, also, uh, children were not supposed to be even around, right? This this was actually just supposed to be Jesus and his homeboys here, their private little teaching moment, right? And so, if there's a kid, uh, you know, running around like this is kind of a problem, uh, right? In your traditional rabbi disciple situation. And there's almost this other subversive thing that can happen when a child comes in the room. You know, a child slips in, and all of a sudden, like, uh, and this is for real, like, oh, like, this is, like, opportunity for a woman to come in the room and, like, kind of see what's going on. You know, just getting a kid, just getting a kid, you know. And uh, there's sort of this really interesting dynamic that, uh, as we learned, that Jesus doesn't hold to. And he's always breaking, right? Uh, Jesus has all sorts of female disciples, really. And, um, and he's always bringing children in. And, and so, but essentially, there were not supposed to be any kids allowed. Uh, and then the other more major point is that uh, in antiquity, right, children were, children were non-persons, right? This is the big one, right? Children had no powers, no privileges, no rights, uh, right? If you were a child, uh, you were a non-person. And, and actually, there's so little writing uh, out there because, like, they would just not even write about their kids, right? And, and because they were just they were just non-persons, uh, right? And so they were they were especially totally and utterly dependent on their fathers to care for them, to provide for them, and to hopefully keep them, uh, right? Uh, they they really had no rights, no privileges. And so again, right, we learn like so many other things. Like as a society, we were once here, <laughs> right, and now we're here, right? You know, 
Obviously, we don't treat children this way anymore. Children that have rights and privileges, we hold our children up, right? But isn't it interesting to see this pattern? You know, it always reminds me of conversations I have with, like, my, my dad or something sometime about, like, seatbelts for our kids. Like, oh, you guys barely wore seatbelts when you were a kid. And, you know, like, we didn't even have seatbelts. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, back in the day, children were sacrificed to foreign gods. Let's not return to that, you know? And so, uh, anyway, the logic. We were once here. But now we're here, right? Um, so, we'll keep going. So kids had it really rough back in the day. And I don't mean the 60s. Uh, and so, when Jesus does this, he takes this child in his arms and says, whoever welcomes one such child as this welcomes me, and not just me, but, but the one who sent me, right? And literally, in the text, this is, this is bonkers, right? That's actually what it says in the Greek, bonkers. Uh, it's it's so it's crazy, and so um, it, it wouldn't have been a, a leap culturally for Jesus for Jesus to be connected with God in, in this scenario for the one who sent him. Right, a person's emissary was was typically like the uh, like the one who sent them, but for Jesus to to then come back and say, for those who welcome this child, is like welcoming God. Well, this is what our old friend used to say. This will warp your mind. Yeah, this was the mind warping stuff. And so, um, yeah, let's keep moving. So here in this kingdom, right, uh, we begin to see this glimpse of little is big, right? First is last, servant of all, being great, being megos, uh, right, has to do with welcoming these non-important uh, has no <laughs> intrinsic value, right? Shouldn't be here, children, right? Is that crazy? And in doing so, you're welcoming God. Come on. All right, verse 38. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. Right? Man, there's a full sermon there, right? Ooh, glory. Um, so isn't it interesting that Jesus, um, that, that his disciples are taking this posture that, that the church is still struggling with today, right? This sort of posture of... Uh, right, of like exclusion. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is always throwing a wrench in that wheel. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is always talking about and moving toward inclusion. Right? With these, with all of these groups. And we're still, we're like, I don't know. You know? Isn't that interesting? This, this posture. Uh, so it's important to note here in the text that this is a, this is a non-disciple who's doing this healing in Jesus' name. He's casting out demons in Jesus' name. This is a non-disciple, right? Just a few verses ago, we, we see that this, this non-disciple is now doing something that Jesus' disciples have yet, in Mark, been able to do themselves. <laughs> right? Uh, we, we, have to know, we have to notice this. They have yet to do this themselves, and now this non-disciple is like 
check this out. Jesus, name, you're healed. You know? And it's just like, you're like, who is this Joe Smo going around healing people in Jesus' name? Right? Like, who is this guy? Who gave this guy a black belt in kingdom? You know? Like, this guy didn't graduate from Hogwarts, you know? And, and you know, there's just this, like, Jesus, tell this guy to stop. And Jesus is like, hey, my force is against us, right? We're all on the same team. Interesting. So you could see how, inevitably, this would have been a little bit belittling, perhaps, for the disciples. Right? And, and maybe... Maybe that was part of the lesson. And so now, now what they're challenged to do, ironically, is not heal someone in Jesus' name, but to welcome this little inconsequential child in Jesus' name. Which again, to you and I this morning, doesn't sound like much. But for the disciples to receive someone as small as a child, as if they were welcoming God, this is this is a pretty megos deal, right? And so the disciples, uh, the disciples inevitably aren't connecting the dots very well, uh, right? And and you can't blame them, honestly. Like oh, we always look back and count on the disciples, we have, like they're just not getting it. You know, like it's confusing. Yeah, you know, Jesus is always using this in uh, this unconventional wisdom, right? This otherworldly, this kingdom wisdom. And he's flipping it on its head, and we've been reading this since we were in Sunday school, putting things on felt, you know. But the disciples are like, you know, they're just not connecting the dots, right? And so, um, you know, but I dare say that just like the disciples, in a lot of ways, you and I still struggle to connect the dots today, don't we? Like, what, like in so many ways, we're still struggling to connect the dots because I, I really do think that Jesus is tapping into this much deeper uh, truth, right? That a grown, mature adult would become and, and and welcome this little child as if they were welcoming God. You know? Like, that's, that's a continuing struggle, isn't it? Uh, you know? That this all-important adult uh, would, would become childlike. That would welcome a child as if they were welcoming God, uh, this morning. And so, uh, growing up is hard, isn't it? Man, raise your hand if you're having a hard time growing up. Come on, testify, right? I mean, it's difficult. I, I, man, I remember, I remember what it was like, you know, some of you, some of you are in the thick of it. Some of you are okay for a, another year or two because you can eat in the cat. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know testify. Yeah, like, come on. Uh, you know, but I remember what it was like to be in my early 20s and having to figure out taxes and dumb stuff, you know, and Caleb's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you marry someone like Emily and she's like, I got this. <laughs> Strategic. Adulting is hard. Ever learn how to grocery shop for the first time? 
Like, I did that in another country. Like, they, we even speak the same language, man. Aldi, right? Come on. Like, what would we do? But you got to admit, everyone, everyone feels like an idiot the first time they go into Aldi and they don't have a bag with them. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, dang, what do I do with all this stuff? You know, you're like, I don't know. You know, like, what's the plan here? You know? like, like, how do you learn this? How do you learn? You like, inevitably, the only way you learn how to grow up is by like screwing up. You know, like many, many times. And uh, you know, because parents don't teach you this stuff. You know, dad's like, oh, you don't need a seatbelt. You know, like. Uh, so yeah, adulting, man, it's it's hard. It's hard growing up, uh, you know, and 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 you're just thrust into it. You know, you, you don't have a choice. You know, you just get older. You know, you, you wake up one day and you're you know, there's wrinkles happening. People think your job is dad. Like it just happens. You don't get a say in it. Uh, you know, and and, and and one day you you roll out of bed and you realize you're you're a little more grumpy than you used to be, and, and somehow it's almost like there's more adult inside of you than there is child. You know, you're like, when did that happen? Uh, you know, interesting. Uh, I think it was Carl Jung who first popularized the the uh, notion uh, about uh, the the two halves of life, right? Some of you are familiar with this. Um, uh, our blessed Father Richard Rohr talks about it, or, or in, in his book, uh, something like having a falling upward or something, something like that. Uh, he talks about the two halves of life. Um, and he describes them as these two major uh, tangents or, or tenets of an um, task of any human life. And the first uh, the first half of life, right, is all about building, right? It's all about finding that container, that sense of identity, that importance, that security, right? Some call this the false self or the ego self, right? But even so, it's not a bad thing, right? The first half of your life, your ego, whatever you want to call it, it's not a bad thing. It's a necessary thing, uh, right, to have to have a healthy structure. Um, but even so, you eventually uh, sort of find out that that maybe through failure or significant loss or however it goes down, that that um, you know that your conscious self is not all of you, right? And it's sort of like the the part that you said is the acceptable you. Uh, but your identity is much deeper. And then, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, or the creek is wrong, I say, uh, is that uh, you know you enter into the second half of life. And let me be honest, I don't think everyone gets there. Uh, and you know, uh, but this second half of life, the second half of life, is, you know, you still have an ego, right? You still have this first part, but but now it's in it's in service to the true self, your your inner identity. Right, that like the container was necessary because now you're filling it up, uh, right? Like it's strength is an advantage. You're not sucked into all the notions of success and everything in the world, right? Um, you know, I'm gonna be honest here this morning. I'm gonna say that most of us in this room are probably still in our first half of life, right? Said Jason, he's getting a little bit up there, you know. Uh, uh, so, you know, now it's fun to have this conversation. Uh, some of, some of you have. have over coffee, I think you've alluded to you think you're in the second half of your life, you know. And to which I secretly and now publicly laugh at you a little bit, uh, you know. <laughs> and that's actually the catch. If you if you're not okay with being laughed at, then you're not in the second half of your life, uh, you know. 
but but we but we build these. Um, you know, the the first part's necessary, right? We got to do the building. We got to start the churches and the after school programs, and we're doing the stuff, right? We've got this inner drive, uh, right? It's all necessary. It's all part of it, right? God has given this to you. Don't lose it, right? Uh, each season of your life is necessary. But isn't it interesting this morning, yet in, in every season, uh, wherever we're at, right, if any season that you've been a part of, at some point, you've got to relearn how to be born again. It's like Jesus is coming back at you. At, at, at any given point, we probe and we ask, what does it mean for me to become childlike again? To, to re-enter the, the womb, right? To, to welcome the child, and so welcome the Christ, and so welcome the God, uh, right? We never escape that, right? To, to, to grow. Isn't that interesting? We're literally created to grow and mature daily, and, and yet we're called to learn how to crawl all over again, right? How to age and mature, and in that become more like a child, right? This is a conundrum for the dualistic mind. Uh, but this is a gift for the mystical thinker, right? Put your third eye on. Right? What a conundrum. And so this morning, how might, how might you be resisting this a little bit today? How might we be resisting this a little bit today? Fighting that inner child instead of welcoming her, right? <coughs> I'm going to jump back in the text and we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, so verse 41, For truly I tell you, whoever gives a, uh, gives a cup of cold water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. So it's interesting here. Jesus seems to, seems to be talking to his disciples. Verse 42, If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great milestone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. And Jesus, he gets real certain. Uh, and so, uh, so this this word he, he uses for little ones is this term mikros, right? It's only the opposite of megos, mikros, little ones. And uh, there's ambiguity uh, because um, there's contextual ambiguity because of how this these couple verses here, 41 and 42, float around other gospels. And and you're like, is Jesus calling? Us, the little ones, is he referring back to this child who he was just holding? Like, who's the little ones? Are these the little ones? Are we the little ones? Jesus is like, you're all the little ones. Yeah, no. Uh, I actually think, so in a lot of translations, they separate, they put verse 41 with the upper brick of the, instead of this lower one. But I actually think these two are connected. And if you look at Matthew, uh, I believe they connect those two verses. But it's all one flow here in the Greek. But um, it's really interesting because uh, it says, whoever gives a cup of cold water, uh, this, there's this vivid image, right? I think, I think verse 41 is kind of like, blessed are those who are blessing the children. And then verse 42, he's almost like the opposite, right? And like cursed or whatever are, are those who are stopping the children. These little ones, right? Little ones, the mikros. So, uh, real quick, let's jump into chapter 10. We're going, we're tracking. Verse, uh, verse 13, Jesus is still on the kid train. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. 
And the disciples spoke sternly to them. It's like the disciples, they're not, are they catching anything? Right? Verse 14. But when Jesus saw them, saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. It, it, like, does it ever feel like Jesus is trying to tell you something? Verse 15. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter, enter it. Uh, by the way, right after this text is that uh, scripture that I preach on every week, actually, which is the rich young ruler, and where uh, Jesus is, is like, hey, for in order you to enter the kingdom, uh, enter life, right? This term is used again. You've got to become small, right? And there's the old yeah, the needle image. Uh, you know, it's like this is just on repeat, isn't it? Um, and he took them up in his arms, verse 16, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Man, what a powerful moment here in the gospel. Um, some of you might have been in a pastoral class in this book a couple weeks ago. And she was telling me about a story she shared of a pastor that we knew who was upset that he had to clean up after uh, little kids and, and stuff like that in, in, in his church. And, uh, you know, griping about, uh, you know, that, that those who choose to have kids should be the ones who take care of them, you know, clean up after them. And she shared this story in her class, she told me. And, and, uh, and, I, and I love that. It's like, dang, you know. And, and then... She went on to say, um, you know, if you're not prepared to engage in ministry or to engage with children, you know, like, get out of ministry, you know, like, yeah, essentially, right? Dang, Emily, you know, because uh, isn't that what Jesus, I mean, like, how are we still missing this? How is this still so difficult, right? Like, the kingdom of heaven is literally their playground, right? It is theirs, right? It belongs to to them, right? At Kaleo, we believe our children are full members of our body. They're, 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 they're totally part of it. It's not like, like a corner over here we're trying to figure out, like, what do we do with them, right? But they are, they are full members of this thing, right? If, if, so we hold them up and say, here they are, right? And, and, and maybe they're even more. <laughs> Could they be more than full members? Could they be leading the way? Could we be teaching them and yet be learning from them, uh, right? Isn't that such a conundrum, uh, right? Uh, how, how do we become childlike? Do we dance to kids, Bob kids? Yeah. Do we run around until we hit our heads? Yeah. Do we just do we just gripe until we get our way? Most of us already do that. <laughs> do we eat more sugar? Do we do we be honest always, even if it just you know? Yeah. Do we have someone else tire shoes? Do we run to get Eucharist before anyone else and ask for a bigger piece? What does it mean to become childlike? How do you receive the kingdom of God as a child? How do we do that this morning? Often there's a lot in the way, right? Because we want to be megos. We want to be great. We want to have status. Isn't it just a little bit ironic that those who have the most status in the kingdom of heaven are the ones who take care of those who have no status? Right? Those, those who need love, those who need care, those who need protection, uh, the Mikros, right? And so this morning, to close, I want to do something a little bit different. 
And uh, ironically, as the kids are getting to come back in the room, <laughs> this is not the most spiritual way to end a sermon, but I think it's the most appropriate way. Jen and I were in a safety campus safety meeting here uh, last Monday, and we spent a solid hour and a half talking about our child uh, safety policy procedures. And uh, like you do, you can take a long time doing that. And some of you have been through the training and you've signed one of these. Some of you have never seen this before. Some of you have read it and have no idea what's on it uh, because it's been like 12 years ago. Uh, and all that's fine, right? Uh, but today, um, I want to close and I want to hand some of these out on our tables because I, I want these uh, this sort of stuff to be present with us and for us to be thinking about, right? And to us be, be mindful of, uh, of our children, right? And, and what it means that, that we hold them up like, how do we also bring them to us and bless them as Jesus did, right? This morning, how do we welcome uh, Christ and so also, uh, how do we welcome these children and so also welcome Christ right? and so also welcome God? And yet, how do you and I this morning enter the kingdom? How do we enter life as a child? I'm driving it home. You guys are like, please wrap this up. So let me pray. Yeah, I'm going to pass this around. Our kids are probably going to be storming down here, and so you're changed to walk with them. So. Lord, we give you thanks uh, for this morning and this text and your kingdom. For the children that continue to teach us and shape us and form us uh, of what it means to, to enter life. Lord, we give you thanks. Help us to become more like children. And more like you. In your name. Amen.